Welcome to the Chief Endurance Officer Podcast. I'm your host, Greg McDonough. Each week, we hear real-time stories from athletes and CEOs on how to maximize performance through an endurance mindset. Let's get started. Well, welcome to the Chief Endurance Officer Podcast. I'm your host, Greg McDonough. Today's guest is an athlete, coach, author, aspiring actor, an Ironman racer who was featured in Triathlete Magazine 2022, the CEO of Life Power and Life Power Charities. Please welcome Luis Gonzalez. It slipped up on your name there. Welcome oh, to the show. Well, thank you, Greg. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It's uh, awesome to have you. We love chatting about endurance. And my favorite question to ask is, tell me how your endurance mindset has impacted your life unexpectedly. Well, I got into endurance sports um, when I was 38. So I'm 53 now, 38, 14, 15 years ago. And I've always been into health and fitness, exercising, sports, those types of things. I've been a trainer, been a coach for a long time. And dating my girlfriend, who's now my wife, we went to watch one of her coworkers run the Chicago Marathon. And for so many years, I considered uh, attempting it, but I always thought it was crazy. I just didn't understand. I didn't like running one mile for football practice or, or any, you know, I did not go out for the cross country team because there wasn't, a there wasn't a little ball bouncing around. And so the idea of running 26 miles just to run 26 miles didn't appeal to me, but, you know, a lot of times we do things for relationships, right? For you know, the women get us to do a lot of things we shouldn't be doing, right? Um, but anyway, yeah, that's how I got into it. I went to watch Chicago Marathon. I saw people of all sizes, shapes, ages, abilities, and I just, I was looking at myself and I said, wow, you know, you're, yeah, you want to, you know, you're thinking that you're a trainer, you're fit, but you can't go do that. And so the bug was lit right there. And the very next day I started training and I went out for a run and probably made it a quarter of a mile. And I was leaning on the side of a car and I'm thinking to myself, how do these people do that? And to this day, even with 14 Ironmans under my belt, I still look at that first marathon as the biggest life-changing experience because it took me it wasn't just it wasn't just about running it's about following a plan following the the process and you know you have your cutback weeks and so you don't just at least not people like me you don't just roll out of bed and just go run 26 miles so you have to learn how to do that and so it took my so-called physical fitness to a whole nother level because I had to incorporate the mindset of an endurance athlete. And yes, it's still the same body, but that body doesn't always necessarily want to do what's uncomfortable. But through the training, through the endurance training, through that endurance mindset, you can get the body to do basically anything. It's, it's I don't know how this, I can't remember how the quote goes, but the body can stand almost anything. It's the mind that you have to convince. So that's what endurance sports really did for me. That's where it really changed my life. So walk us through that. It's like from running a quarter mile, leaning on a car, exhausted, sort of day one of this adventure until now and developing this endurance mindset. How is it built over time? I'm a, I'm a student of self-development. 
And any self-development says start where you are and get better. And when you know better, then do better. And kind of tying into what I was previously saying about the endurance mindset, it, life is a marathon, right? We've all heard that quote, life is a marathon. It's not a sprint. And so when I could run to a quarter mile and I'm gasping for air and my legs are hurting and I'm like, how do these people do this? You don't, you don't have to know how to run 26 miles. If you can run a quarter of a mile, walk a quarter of a mile and regroup, and now you're at a half a mile. Mm. And then you just repeat it. And it's quarter mile here, quarter mile run, quarter mile walk, or one minute run, one minute walk. And next thing you know, the miles are ticking off. I, I, I remember a buddy of mine was like, how do you do that? And I said, I don't run 26 miles. I run for four minutes and then I walk for one minute. And next thing you know, 26 miles has in us ticked off. And that's, for me, that's life. If you really think about it, you know, you don't, you don't go to high school and, and next thing you know, you're a doctor, you got to go through the process. You got to take the steps. You got to take the classes. You might flunk a test here and there. You might make a mistake, uh, life happens, family things happen and you get back up and you keep going. It's a, it's persistence, it's commitment, it's consistency. Um, but once if it, it does the endurance mindset to me, it's, it taught me at least speaking for myself, it taught me about life and sticking, sticking it out, stick it, you know, being consistent in the process. Uh, I don't know how in depth we would go in this podcast, um, if somebody was curious, but I mean, I'm, I'm a person that at one point in my life, I've been homeless. I've been hungry. I've been depressed. I've been suicidal. I have uh, a scar on my neck. Um, and what endurance sports has taught me is, yeah, maybe I'm not running 26 miles, but I could run to that street pole, that street light. Or I could run to the red car that's half a, half a block down the street. So one foot in front of the other, I can get to the next step and I can live another day. And like most of us have already experienced in life, you know, every dark night has a brighter day, comes to a brighter day. All, you know, there's good and bad. It's the ebb and flow of life. You're going to have your ups and downs, but as long as you keep going, you'll get there. So that's the same thing. It starts with one, it starts with a one mile. And if you can run one, you can run two. And then you just keep on building and moving forward. That's so well said. Um, you know, I was having a conversation a few weeks ago with another marathoner. And he said, you know, it's really just 26 one-mile runs. And you yep. just, the gap between the miles gets shorter and shorter as you train. Yep. Um, you mentioned your four minutes run, one minute walk. Did you develop that strategy on your own? Or was it a coach? Or like, how did you come up with that? So my, let me get this out of the way. I am not the elite athlete that, uh, is gifted, going to stand on the podium. I am more or less gritty, um, hard nosed, put my nose down. If I said, I'm going to do it, go do it. That's, that's who I am. That's my calling card. So in my first, uh, marathon, uh, I tore my meniscus. Um, it wasn't from running. I was actually trying to learn how to play golf at the same time that I was training for the marathon and that, that torque action on your knee, uh, I, let's, I'll, 
the day I know that it happened is I ran 15 miles that morning. Later on that afternoon, I'm playing around the golf. And so knees are tired, legs are tired after running 15 miles. And then I'm over there torquing my knee left and right. So meniscus tear, run my first marathon. Eventually the, the, the meniscus gave way all the way. And so it was torn. So the bones, the two thigh bones, the shin bone and the thigh bone were pounding on each other. So it actually, I actually ran that marathon on a broken leg. The last, the last half of that marathon, I fractured my femur, which is supposedly the strongest bone in the body. So from that injury, I had to rehab. And it's, it's one of those things where it's like, that's how I stumbled into into marathon training. So what I was introduced to was called Galloway running, Galloway method. And he's an elite, he was an elite marathoner. I, I can't remember if he's an Olympian or not, but he has a method um, where based on how fast you can run one mile, uh, there's a formula based on your time. So if you're a 12 minute miler, you run four minutes, walk one minute. If you can run a seven minute mile in that, and that walk run pace will be different for each person. So that, that actually saved my running life because it got to the point where I just was not, I can't, I can't tell you the last time that I ran a mile nonstop without doing a, some form of a run walk portion. So that gets me through the race. I know some marathoners will walk through the aid stations and it's kind of the same thing. It's kind of, you turn it into an interval run. Uh, but yeah, that's how I stumbled into it was, it was in the injury, learning how to run again, uh, slowly rehabbing. So I could run four minutes and walk one, but if you asked me to run five, that leg would start to hurt again. So it's kind of like, okay, well, let me be smart here. Not stubborn. My, uh, my coach introduced that interval running very early on in our training. And her comment was, you're going to walk during Ironman. And you just got to get used to walking and then having the mental strength to start running again. And then she's absolutely right. And I ended up getting to like, I'm going to run a hundred paces and then walk a thousand paces. And I'm going to run a hundred, like whatever the day yeah. sort of rhythm, but it, to your point, it just, the miles to start ticking off as you tick through these intervals, um, changing topics slightly. I'm, I'm interested to know how your endurance training as you got into marathons and Ironmans and triathlon has affected your training as a coach, right? So it's, it sounds like you have been training other athletes doing um, physical fitness for clients prior to taking on endurance sports. And now you're into endurance sports. Has your, how you train others changed because of your endurance mindset? Absolutely. I was just having a conversation this morning with some clients I've been a trainer for over 30 years. Um, like I said, different sports, uh, been a personal trainer as far back as 1991. So, you know, you have the, uh, you have the bodybuilders, you have the power lifters, uh, you have the, uh, you know, the general public that just wants to lose some weight, soccer moms who, you know, Hey, I just need to feel better about myself, self-esteem. So I call that exercise. And for the most part, it's a lot of sweating and getting tired. But when I started incorporating endurance, the endurance mindset, 
the marathon training mindset into it. We started going, we started taking that sweating and getting tired and turning it more into training. So there's a huge difference between I'm exercising and I'm training. Training has more of a purpose. Exercise is kind of a release of endorphins, sweating some toxins out, frustrating day at work. Let me just go, let me just go exhaust myself so I can go to sleep and get, get whatever's going on in my mind out of my head. So training, what I tell people a lot of times now is, is you always hear like, oh, that was a great workout. Well, was it? How do you know if it was a great workout? Well, did it produce a result? Well, if you didn't go into it with the purpose of, hey, this is what I'm trying to get out of it, then yeah, I understand that it felt great, but that doesn't mean it moved you in the direction that you want to go in. So that has definitely shifted how I coach my clients because, so this is not to take away from bodybuilding or powerlifting or any of those, because people that are competing on higher levels, going on stages, or performing in competitions, they understand it's the same. It's it, even though it's not an endurance related sport, the concept of, uh, stages planning is, uh, week one of a 16 week bodybuilding competition diet is the same as week one of a marathon training plan. You're not going to be able to look stage ready, uh, in week one. Just like you're not going to be able to run 26 miles in week one, but you, but you build on each week purposefully with the, with the right direction and you will get there. So how that affected me with my clients was, let's say Greg comes in and he's not an endurance athlete. He's just, you know what? He's, he's worn out with work. He's noticed that he's got a dad bod and I want to get in shape and Hey, I want to, I want to feel better. And you come in and sure, I can put you through a 20, 20 minute workout. I can put you on a Stairmaster. I can have you do jump rope. I can have you do some push ups, sit ups, and squats. But when I incorporate, hey, Greg, what's the end result we're looking for? What is the goal, right? What is the target? And so I'll give you a deadline. We got three months. Let's accomplish this. By month one, I need you to be here. By month two, I need you to be here. And the more meaningful that that goal or that target is to you, the more committed you will be towards your, your process. And that's an Ironman. That's a marathon. It's the same thing. We don't just show up and say, Hey, I'm going to cycle for a certain amount, like an hour. No, it's 56 miles. It's 112 miles. You know where the finish line is at. So you got to have that target, that goal of knowing where you're going. And so by incorporating that into your fitness regime, whether it's, hey, I want to lose 20 pounds or, hey, I want to run three miles or, hey, you, you can apply it even to your a, a person going to school. You don't just go to graduate school. You got to go. You got to go get your bachelor's. You got to go get the process. You got to go through all the steps. So one thing leads to another. So when I started, that's what that's what I was saying earlier, when I started doing the marathon training. I went from having you exercise to actually training. So now it's not just that I'm a trainer. I'm also a coach because there's a total difference in, in those two. And for me as a trainer, yeah, I make you exercise. I make you sweat. I make you get tired. You might be a little achy or sore, 
But as a coach, I'm saying, hey, this isn't working. Let's change this exercise because your body's not moving naturally in this position, but we can still work this part of your body using these exercises. So you pivot, you adapt, but you have to know why you're pivoting and why you're adapting. And the way you know that is by having a target. And that's, for me, that target is the finish line, the finish line of a marathon, the finish line of an Ironman, the finish line of graduation day, the finish line of, of any, any target that you're pursuing. And so you break it down piece by piece, the system. It's really well said. And, and I love the way you distinguish between exercise and training and how that is you know, goal setting, what are we trying to accomplish today's workout? What are we trying to accomplish this week? What are we trying to accomplish to get to your finish line? Um, did that differentiation for you come through your endurance racing? Like when did that light bulb come on that there was a difference between exercise and training? The, my first marathon, my first marathon that with that first marathon, I understood the meaning of why I was running three days a week. I understood the meaning of what those three or four workouts meant. One day was speed work. One day was a tempo run. One day was a long distance, slow, long distance run. Why am I doing that? Okay. It's so that my body can adapt to faster leg turnover on speed day. The long, slow distance was to train my body to be running for maybe not at the same speed, but I was on my feet for a longer period of time. So I'm building up the uh, impact muscles. Um, I'm conditioning the joints to handle being on my legs longer. So that's, that's, the, that's where that all came from. Changing gears slightly, um, and to talk to about nutrition, do you have a similar cadence with your nutrition of how foods you're taking in either during racing or during training, or what's your sort of go-to strategy there? When you say cadence, what are you, what are you getting at? Like what how you, frequently you're taking in nutrition, either while racing or training and, and how that has developed over the years as you've gotten deeper in, into these endurance events. So the new, the nutrition is going to vary based on the goal, based on what you're doing. Um, I know a lot of people see a marathon, they think a marathon or an Ironman, they think that you're fit. Um, I always try to tell people, you're not going to look the same if you're running a marathon as if you were trying to do a weight loss process. In a lot of cases, people who are doing endurance sports, long distance endurance sports, you can actually gain weight mm. because you're burning through, your body is metabolizing so many calories and depending on your body composition to begin with or where you're at, you might actually end up putting on weight from being so hungry from depleting your carb stores and then refilling them back up. So it's a total different energy pathways that you're working. So if you're training to lose weight, then I'm going to give you a meal plan that does not center around carbohydrates. It's more or less about lean meats and fats lean fats, good, healthy fats, um, because I'm trying to change the body composition for looks, for the vanity aspect, right? For endurance sport, we need performance. So performance is not necessarily about having a six pack. 
Uh, you know, who comes to my mind is uh, Christian Blumenfeld. Uh, a lot of people, they, on a lot of different, um, do you know who he is? Uh, I do not. Ironman world champion uh, last year. Um, but he doesn't have that skinny five foot three, 130 pound uh, build. He looks like, like a regular guy. And, but he's not training for vanity. He's training to run fast and that's what works for him. So his nutrition is going to vary differently from somebody who just wants to be in shape. So you have to eat for the sport that you're performing at. So what I do for me with my, what I try to do, it depends. It's very different for each individual. Again, it starts with your composition, body composition, body fat levels, things like that. But what I try to do is I try to stay as lean as I can in the off season. So that way I don't have as big of a shift when I shift into training season. But for Ironman or endurance training, you're going to have to take in more carbs. Carbs are your body's primary source of fuel for those types of, of that type of performance. So to try to do a marathon or an Ironman on a keto diet, you're going to end up getting sick or injured or, or something. Um, so the key is, is what's the right strategy? What is the right amount of carbs that you need to take in to still be able to perform well and to complete the race in the manner that you're trying to accomplish? And that's going to vary by individual. Um, but so what I typically do when I'm doing my training is I will follow a paleo or a keto low carb type of diet, but around my training, I will take in some carbs. So let's say I have a bike ride today. I'm going to ride two. If I, if it's under two hours, I I'm, I'm not worried about the carbs, but a three hour, four hour, five hour bike ride, I'm taking my powdered nutrition. For me, I use hammer nutrition, but I'll take my nutrition with me. But once the ride is over, I don't need to keep eating carbs later on tonight or tomorrow morning. I just use it for the fueling purposes of that, of that day's training. That's really helpful. Um, changing gears, t tell us a little bit about you. Childhood, how you grew up, how you got into training. Love to know a lot more about you. Um, I, I was born to two very giving parents. Very, um, uh, my mother was a nun, Catholic nun. Uh, before she went, she was in a teenager. So we grew up with a faith-based uh, family. And my father was the type of person that always helped the neighbors, always if somebody needed a ride somewhere or anything like that. That's, that's our family. We're givers. Um, and we were always in the sports. My dad, what I remember most about my dad was him getting up at five o'clock in the morning to go to work, provide for the family. And so... As a kid, you know, my connection with my dad was watching boxing, watching baseball, watching all of the sports and developing that work ethic from him. My mother had, was a very passionate person. She's still passionate to this day. So I can, for me, it's a combination of infusing her passion and his work ethic into whatever it is I choose to do. So it, in a lot of language wise, I think that translates into determination. For what you want. I, my wife was asked before, like, hey, describe your husband, describe Lewis in one word as determined. And sometimes I cringe because I'm like, wow, why can't you say nice or he's kind or he's this? And 
And what it is, is once I make up my mind that I want something, then I get pretty locked in on it, stubborn, and, and I go for it. And I think I've always had that in me. And so how did that translate later on into life, into sports? I, I approach everything with an all-in mentality, but it, it came from my parents. You know, it's amazing how influential our parents can be, especially in those early age. You know, I had similar. My mom is very passionate and my dad is very determined. And I, I'm convinced that has put me on this path. Um, talk to us about life power and your, what you do day in and day out. Life power is really me. Um, I always try to tell people that it's God's business. I just manage it. Uh, life power is really more of a, a way of life. It's a lifestyle. Uh, I don't know if I could see this shirt, but it, it stands for living intentional fitness every day. That's the L-I-F-E. Mm -hmm. uh, life begins when we start life. Uh, the beginning of life is when the beginning, right? The L, life. It's over at the end. And in between is a big if. And that if is up to me and you. What do we do with it? So the other part of power is uh, we put power back into our life. So life power, yes, it is health and fitness. My elevator speech is that life power is a success school. We just use health and fitness as the tool to help you be successful. Because I really don't understand. I don't want to say I don't understand. I don't think you can really be successful in an unhealthy body. Our body is how we get through life. What life power is, yes, we exercise. Yes, we train. Yes, we do uh, push-ups, sit-ups, squats. We, we work out. But it's really about the mindset and, and kind of along the lines of what you were mentioning, bringing that endurance mindset into the training. Mm -hmm. For me, if all I do is help you lose weight in inches, then I really don't feel fulfilled. I don't feel like I did my job. My job title says, hey, help, help Greg lose some weight. Who I am as a person, I want to help Greg be great at whatever Greg says. If it's money, if it's work, if it's this. But we start with the body because once you can change your mindset, you can change anything around you. You can change your body. You can change the world around you. But it starts with applying that mindset first to controlling what you're eating, controlling what you're thinking, controlling what you're watching and directing it towards a better body. So a lighter body, fitter body, stronger body will translate into a fitter, faster, stronger lifestyle. And if, if it's not making your life better, then you're doing it wrong. Personally, I think you're doing it wrong. If you're just doing it for looks or for vanity, more power to you. I'm not gonna say that, that, that there's not benefit to that, but it should make your marriage better. It should make your job better. It should make your parenting better. It should just make you better because you're in a better body. Now, what we do with it is totally up to the individual. It's not my job to tell you what a better life is. That's for you to determine. But we start with a better body and then we shape everything else around us. What's the most common roadblock you see when a, a client comes or a prospect comes to you and they want to achieve a certain goal and you start working on this mindset shift, what's the common roadblock that you have to get over first? Number one is lack of accountability. Mm. Uh, there's always going to be a reason not to do something. There's always going to be an excuse. Um, 
a person who succeeds, there's a great quote that says, um, we're all self-made, but only the successful people admit it. And, and that's a true statement. If you really think about it, the people that settle for not succeeding, you're going to blame it on the weather, the government, your parents, there's a, you name it. There's a reason not to succeed, but the ter person who determines themselves to succeed, that's that person that's taken full accountability, full responsibility for doing it. And once you can get past, if, if you can have accountability, the next one is very close. I think they're really close together is consistency. You can do something great for two or three weeks, but can you do it for two or three months, two or three years, two or three decades? Most of the people that you see that are succeeding, they've been doing the same thing repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. And we all make mistakes. It's just, you got to be consistent at it. And if you don't have, if you don't have ability, you might stumble into being lucky for two or three months, but you won't keep it. So the number one, for me, the number one thing that holds people back is being totally accountable. So as a coach, how do you help your athlete with that, with the accountability? There's a method to the madness. Um, I always start with a consultation. I won't just take your money. I need to make sure that you want it bad enough. So three questions that I ask people are, what do you want? How bad do you want it? And what are you willing to sacrifice to get it? And if you can answer those three, then we can start putting the plan together. After that, there's another three questions. First of all, you have to want something. You have to believe you can have it. And then you got to be willing to do the work to get it. Mm -hmm. And if you don't, if you don't possess those, I don't really care who your coach is. I don't care how much talent, potential, or ability you have. You're not going to get very far. I suspect you have hundreds of favorite client stories. What's your favorite? What's your, the, oh, wow. the, the poster that walked into the, walked into your consultation and is now doing X. Give us some story. Give us some background on that. It's, it's hard to think there really are, there's some really incredible. I, I, I had a guy who was a, um, a drug addict, chain smoker. I mean, really living the completely anti-life power lifestyle um, and lost over 125 pounds in six, seven months. He became a runner. I have all those kinds of stories. I have a lady that went from an 18W to a size two in seven months. Uh, we don't do any fat burners. We don't do any, um, no gimmicks. It's You're not going to subscribe to a, uh, Herbalife or Advocare, it's all healthy, whole foods, smart. But I, I would feel really guilty giving you any one story um, other than my wife and kids. My wife and kids, um, that's, my, that, that's my pride and joy. My daughter's a state-level swimmer. My son, um, he's excelling in soccer. He's, still at, he's only eight years old, but he plays with the 10, 11-year-old kids. Uh, so he plays up age groups. And then um, just the impact that the training and the lifestyle, I mean, you would think of it because I'm coach Lewis, right? I'm, I'm, uh, but my wife is really, she's the everyday mom. Um, she, she's works her job and, you know, so she struggles just like the average woman. Um, I think she has a harder time because 
She lives with me. So I, I don't turn off Coach Lewis. It's not like I leave it at the gym. This is just who I am. I want to see people be better. But my, my pride and joy is seeing that my, my, so I'll, let me, so let me single out my wife and my kids. My wife is in better shape now in year 15 of our marriage than she was when I met her. So I feel like she looks better now and, you know, just looks wise, right? Um, she's better, she's in better shape now, 15 years later than when I met her. So I'm excited and proud of her for that. My kids, to see them living an active lifestyle, not because we, we don't shove it down their throats. We don't force it on them. But I think that they see us living this lifestyle and it's natural for them to gravitate towards, hey, mommy does this, daddy does that. They have fun with it. We, they see exercise as something that is natural and fun. Uh, so they've naturally taken it upon themselves. So, so to see my children not just participate in a sport, but to actually employ the endurance mindset that daddy has learned. It's one thing for me to benefit and it's one thing for me to, to change my life, but now I'm able to help other people's lives with it. It can't, it, I can't think of anybody that I'm more proud of than my own family doing it. Tons of client stories. If you look at the reviews on my, on my page, on my website, some amazing stories, changed lives, businesses, started businesses, saved their marriages, things like that. Things that don't show up in a transformation picture, things that you would not think are going to happen when you join a gym or hire a personal trainer. So to see people's entire lives change, I have too many stories to single out one or two, but when it comes to my wife and my kids, nothing gives me more pride than that. It's amazing, right? Um, how we do benefit unexpectedly from this lifestyle and this mindset choice. And um, you know, my children, I've got two girls and they're both very active, big swimmers. And you know, when they were little, they just thought, hey, this is what mommy and daddy do. Every summer, we're going to go travel to an Ironman and they're going to spend 15 hours trying to get to the finish yeah. line. Um, in fact, one of my favorite stories, we're at the Marine Corps Marathon here in Washington, D.C., and uh, my oldest now who's 15 must have been, I don't know, seven or eight. And we're watching the marathoners go by and she goes, so when did they swim and bike? <laughs> I said, well, oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. We so were at, uh, go ahead. We were at my daughter's swim meet this past weekend and uh, we left the house at 6 a.m. and we didn't get home until 9 p.m. All right. It's just a swimming meet Saturday and Sunday. So on Sunday, me and my son took a break. We, we had to leave the venue. It was just overwhelming. And so I'm, I'm walking with him back to the car and I go, is this what it's like when you guys are at my Ironmans? He was like, well, yeah, kind of, sort of. And I'm like, oh man. So yeah, it's, it, it's, it carries over to the kids too. Yeah. I find that spectating in those races is actually harder than doing the race. Cause you've got <laughs> nothing to do and you just sit there anticipating. It's like, oh, Greg's five minutes slower. Where is he? Has he been on a bike? Yeah, the anxiety is is hard. So, Coach Lewis, how skill. can how can audience members get in touch with you? Uh, you can reach the website mylifepowercoach.com. Um, I'm I'm free to phone call 219-678-3340. and my email is mylifepowercoach at gmail.com. 
Wonderful. And or we'll you can find this on you can find this on Facebook too. Facebook under Life Power LLC. Fantastic. And we'll include those in the show notes. Um, I've really enjoyed this conversation, especially as we started to touch on our children and how they see our endurance mindset and our endurance lifestyle. And you always wonder, like through their eyes, like what are they really thinking? We do every day. Um, I really got some inspiration from the three questions you ask your clients when they come in. You know, what do you want? How badly do you want it? And what are you willing to sacrifice? I think that's a real life lesson there and anything we're trying to endeavor. It's been great having you on the show. Can uh, I add one more thing, Greg? Yes, Can please. I add one more th yeah. We were, you, you were talking about what you got from your parents, the determination. Yeah. And, and I was talking about the same thing, the passion and the hard work. I feel that it's our jobs as parents to build on that. And so you learn, you and I both learned those lessons from our parents and we are putting them to use, right, in our endurance sports and in our work lives. And so we're just giving that next generation a higher platform to start from. Mm. And so where are they going to take it? That's the goal. If the goal is not that they become like necessarily like us, but can they take those lessons and build on it so that they can pass the next lessons on to their children? I, so, I just, I, just, so I think well it's said. a duty. I think it's a duty for us as parents not just to pursue our passions and enjoyments, but why, what Iron Man really means nothing to me other than what does it do for the people around me? I'm happy that I'm pursuing something and it's a challenge and can I do this and can I do it faster? But I'm more determined about what is it, how is it impacting the people I love and the people that I'm around most? That's, that's what Matt, that's what endurance sports means to me. That's really well said. And for me, um, I think the people around me, as they see me, me doing these races, it's them asking the question to themselves of what else can I achieve? Right. And, it, and it's probably not a race and it's probably not a marathon, but as they're in their business life, as they're my kids in their school, like the world of possibility really opens up when they see somebody achieving more than they've thought they could achieve. And for me, that's, you know, critical point part of why I do these silly races. Yeah. If I, if, if he can do that, then what can I do? Absolutely. Right. Man, this is awesome. Thank you again for your time. I've loved having you on the show. Thank you for having me. I really do appreciate you, Greg. I really do. It's always good to connect with like-minded people. Thank you for tuning in to the Chief Endurance Officer Podcast. To hear more inspiring stories and strategies around the endurance mindset, be sure to subscribe below or visit us at chiefenduranceofficer.com. Until next time, keep pushing those limits.